Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the WTF podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. Welcome to the first in a series of collaborative episodes with Future Females Invest. FFI is an angel investment organization that invests in building sustainable and profitable businesses that have a big impact on society. They invest primarily in African women and businesses with an African focus and impact. Joining me today is Aisha Tagali, co-founder of FFI. Aisha and the co-founder of FFI, Tori Abiola, joined me on the WTF podcast several months ago. So check out season two, episode 12. And also joining me today is Lucia Brawley, who, along with her husband, Derek Ashang, are the co-founders of AMP Global and veterans in the music, arts and entertainment industry. AMP Global is a digital media platform that helps content producers build a direct relationship with their audience. The interactive mobile solution combines TV quality content with the interactivity of social media so creators can build a direct relationship with their fans. The AMP Powered series, Take Back the Mic, the World Cup of Hip Hop, was the first example of how the platform made content interactive and easy to syndicate worldwide. For the first 100 fan curated series to get an emanated nod, becoming a back-to-back Emmy finalist for outstanding interactive programming and proving itself in the market with deep engagement, media impressions, ROI across digital, mobile, TV, VR, and live media. Lucia and Aisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank for you, having- Michelle. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to collaborate with you and WTF. Thank you so much, Aisha, for proposing this. And let's get into the conversation with Lucia. So I have already said a lot about who you are, but if you could just give us a little bit more background about what led you to co-found Amp Global with your husband. I know that you both have a background in the arts, music, and media. So tell me a little bit about your pathway to co-founding Amp Global. Okay, so uh, quickly, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Aisha, for putting us in contact. Um, Aisha is a, a remarkable woman who created FFI, and um, they are, full disclosure, investors in AMP Global, and we're very, very proud to have them on board with us um, as, a, as a company with a woman co-founder on the African continent, it means a lot to have the support of FFI, which is focused on women-founded companies on the continent. Um, So we appreciate how much they're fostering the ecosystem and and we share their vision and wanna support it in every way that we can. So uh, to answer your question, I, um, I was born in San Francisco, raised in Rome, London, New York, 
Uh, my parents are writers, so I grew up in a creative household surrounded by creative people, um, was a ballerina, ended up getting injured and um, going into acting. Um, I, I acted, uh, I, I kind of uh, made my extracurricular my major and my major my extracurricular when I went to Harvard. <laughs> so I, I was very focused on acting and um, just were do was doing my academics on the side or really um, to support my acting. And then I went to the Yale School of Drama. And when I graduated, I worked in theater, television and film in New York, uh, Hollywood and Europe and got the opportunity to work with some amazing people like Barry Levinson, Oliver Stone, Angela Bassett, Viola Davis, and really loved it. But I had gotten into the arts to change the world and I didn't feel like I was doing that to my fullest capacity. So I got swept up in the Obama campaign, which is actually where I met Ms. Desiree, our head of communications, and uh, my husband, Derek, um, who is the founder of our company. And the Obama campaign was a really pivotal turning point in my life because I hitched my wagon to something larger than myself. I learned skills that I didn't have before organizing a group of four people into um, 2000 people and uh, helping our congressional district to win by the largest margin in California for Obama in the primary. And, um, and, I, and I also just met people who I ended up working with forever, like Desiree and my husband and Jonathan Gramling, our other co-founder, the former deputy tech director for the Democratic National Committee. Um, and through them, I was introduced to Esteban Robles Luna, our other co-founder who's from Argentina, a PhD computer scientist, senior developer for Google and LinkedIn, where he developed the influencer program before he came to us. And so AMP Global is really the, the, the way that I found to combine all of my passions and talents for, um, for writing, for entertainment, and for or grassroots organizing, and could kind of put them in one place to build movements around amazing content and creators. Wow. So <laughs> you've said a lot. So you've been in acting. And I mm -hmm. think you also mentioned at one point that you're a writer, you've written for Huffington Post, CNN, mm -hmm. and you've combined all of your passions along with the technical expertise of your husband and your uh, other co-founder who is a technical expert on the social mm -hmm. media and development side. Now, how this show is called Where's the Funding? So what has been your <laughs> funding journey? So if you can talk about how you and your husband and your other co-founders have navigated your funding journey for AMP Global. This is a great question. And um, one that I know a lot of uh, early stage founders are going to be curious to hear about. So what I can say is that as a, our, our founding team is uh, two Latin people and two Black people. So uh, raising funding in the United States was very, very hard for us. Um, the funding we did get was from um, some of our Harvard network, from uh, an amazing uh, high-level uh, tech executive in Silicon Valley, um, and uh, from Ostia Angels, which is a woman-focused fund in the Bay Area. And... Uh, we, we did a lot with a little. So we got our two Emmy nods with, with uh, pretty lean funds. And we, we ended up doing partnerships with some huge brands like Sony, Pepsi, 
um, SeaWorld, uh, ITV, Apple, um, just with, with a lot of grit and passion and a very devoted team and using incredible advisors as our farm team um, to, so we could punch above our weight in terms of business development and execution. And, um, and they helped us raise some more funds. But what I will say is that when we turned our attention to Africa, um, in, in, in uh, I would say in 2019, we really decided we were gonna start focusing on Africa. And then at the end of 2019, we moved to Mauritius. Once we made the, even before we arrived in Mauritius, when we made the decision to focus our attention on building our show out for television in Africa, and focus on African investors and African business development opportunities, partnerships with brands and telcos and distributors. Um, we raised more money in six months than we did in the four years prior. So, interesting. What was the impetus for the transition to focus and to, to focus on Africa? So that's a great question. So it's, it has a couple parts to it. One is that Derek Anishong, our my husband, our founder, is from Ghana originally. He is, um, he is from Accra, Ghana, was raised around Ghana and around the world. And um, he wanted to come home. He wanted to, you know, we decided that Ghana wasn't the place to start our business right now, although we'd love to have an office there one day. Um, Mauritius felt like the right fit to be between uh, Africa and Asia. So we could easily make that leap um, or that expansion, which we're very focused on doing. But um, we, we, we definitely wanted to come home to his home continent. We felt like there is enormous opportunity in Africa. Africa is really the future. Um, there's a population of 1.3 billion people, average age about 19 years old. So it's an incredible untapped market. Also, we view our app and our show as a gateway to the internet for a new generation of young Africans. So basically they, get, uh, they can use our app for free with ad supported content. Then they get points in our app for watching and sharing what they're doing anyway, the content they love. And then with those points, they can buy our digital currency, COLA. Um, and with that COLA, they can get discounted mobile data. So they can get on and stay on the internet to do the things and, and buy the things that they want and to uh, compete with their peers in the global marketplace and solve their problems, their families' problems, their community problems for themselves with the same tools and resources that the rest of the world has. So we are, we are very focused on taking high-speed internet access in Africa from 7% to 70% by the end of 2025. And that getting access to discounted data is very important because the cost of data on the continent is not always cheap. And so being able to use and trade these currencies to get um, more data is, I would think, a, a big pull for the users of this platform. Exactly right. Um, it, it is that mobile data is more expensive on the continent than anywhere else in the world. And it's pay as you go. And as soon as we moved to Africa, we realized it ourselves as customers. And we're always having to top up, top up, top up, you know, until we just said, let's get our business plan. But, you know, for the average person, it is, you have to do all these tricks to try to get on and stay on the internet. And, and we just want to change that. It, 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 it should be a human right that people have access to the internet. And we want to help facilitate that uh, with our 70 by 25 
Moonshot Initiative in partnership with organizations like the UN, UNHCR, UNESCO, and major brands and celebrities. So tell us a little bit more about how AMP Global works and where you source content from. So clearly from Africa, but where else globally? Okay, so great question. So first of all, um, AMP Global has an app. Our app is called Take Back the Mic. You can download it on Google or iOS right now. And that app um, is where artists can upload their content and then fans watch and amp it. Um, and they get points for doing so, and then they can purchase the cola to get mobile data. The content comes from a few different places. Initially, we created the content ourselves. We used our background in entertainment to create Take Back the Mic, the World Cup of Hip Hop, which got those two Emmy nods uh, for Outstanding Interactive Program opposite Taylor Swift and Facebook. And then um, we expanded that for a full television series with the Mike Africa, which we're doing now. And um, we're, we, we launched it last year and got two telly awards, one gold, one silver. Now we're doing the second season. And we're also in the process of expanding it to the Mike India, the Mike Arabia, the Mike Asia, the Mike Americas, the Mike Caribbean, the Mike, um, you know, you name it. <laughs> and so we, create our own content. So that's one source of content. Then there's UGC, user-generated content. So artists upload their content and, and fans watch and amp it. Um, and that, that user-generated content started, we started in Jamaica and Colombia and Brazil. Um, I want to say big up to Jamaica, Jamaica. <laughs> as a Jamaican myself. Yes, yes, exactly. Big ups to Jamaica. And then we, um, the next year we added Mexico and Dominican Republic. And then obviously when we decided to turn to Africa, we, we, the first year we focused on Ghana, Kenya, Mauritius, South Africa, Rwanda, and Nigeria. And this year we're adding Ethiopia, Tanzania, Senegal, and Morocco. And um, so that's where those content pieces are from. But we're also creating uh, partnerships with, with brands, telcos, celebrities, um, other media companies. So we can have user-generated content, self-produced content, branded content, celebrity influencer content, and co-produced content that we make in tandem with brands and media companies. What's the big picture here? What's the change that Amp Global is making in the world? Because there are media companies out there, there are apps out there. What's different? Well, we're turning culture into currency. We are the way that the young creators and young fans can actually be upgraded from product to participant in the value chain that they create. They set the trends and usually someone else profits from it we're enabling them to profit from the value they create through the culture they advance. And so that's the value proposition for them. And that's the change we're making along with increasing access to internet data. But also for brands and media companies, we're the one-stop shop for them to reach, reward, and understand diverse global youth audiences. So that we reach them through the content, we reward them with the COLA and the mobile data and other rewards that they can get, VIP experiences, brand giveaways, discounts, and so on. And then understand, 
because we provide granular audience analytics that help media companies understand and segment their audiences, target them, and provide them content that really moves the needle for them and still rewards the fan. So the fan isn't just giving away their data, they're being rewarded for it and their privacy is protected because they get to opt in or out at any time. It's their choice. So that's what we do. So when you're positioning this to the users, what's the value proposition besides the the access to the data that you're presenting them with? What makes them want to get on this app and and amp it? So they get on because one, they love the content. They love the artists. So they'll get on just to discover the amazing artists. In fact, we're just, if we were only a talent discovery engine, we would be amazing. I know that's really conceited, but I do feel that way because- Hey, you gotta we, toot your own horn. <laughs> toot, toot. Because I think that the, um, the like the, our first year, we discovered this young artist out of Jamaica. Um, hey. hey, who was so amazing. Like his music was, was the music of the gods. We What's just, his name? Well, I'm getting to that. It's a ah, surprise. Okay. So we, we were like, this guy is so amazing. And we discovered him because the young girls in Colombia who couldn't even speak English were just watching and watching and listening and listening. And listening. We said, this guy is amazing. Sure enough, that turns out to be Dalton Harris from Jamaica who won X Factor UK a few years later. That okay. is awesome. Right? So we discover amazing talent before they pop. And that really comes from the grassroots aspect of the fans turning everybody on to, to these amazing artists. So that's one piece. But, um, but the other reason that fans engage, in addition to the fact that they could win mobile data or a trip to Miami or a trip to Dubai or a trip to Mauritius to meet their favorite artists if they're the top fan. But also when we first started, we did these focus groups with high school and college students. And they were saying, you know, I discovered Lana Del Rey before she was Lana Del Rey. And, you know, now everybody's into her, but I want my props for being the first one to discover her. So even if you leave aside the um, rewards, the tangible rewards that they get, Mm -hmm. fans will do a lot just to be at the top of the leaderboard, say they're the top fan, they're the trendsetter, they're the the, um, tastemaker who discovered that person first and put everybody on. So those are the reasons that fans engage. No, those are very exciting reasons indeed. Let's pivot back a little bit to talking about funding. So you mentioned that Am Global has received yeah. funding from angels and seed and early state um, investments from VCs, including women-led funds um, in San Francisco and also with FFI. For you, what's oh, sorry. the- Sorry, uh, not, not VCs though. They're not, they're angel funds. They're angels, so angel yeah. funds. Yeah. So what was, what was the value of working with women allocators as angel investors? You, it, you can't put a measurement on it. Women investors are passionate about supporting women founders that you don't find that somewhere else. Even if the, there are men in the woman-focused fund, they're there because they want to support women. We, we have men like that who are affiliated with ASI or, or FFI who want to support women. But, but everybody's there in the first, you've already weeded everyone out. Everybody's there because they want to support women-founded companies. That right there is huge. Second of all, companies run by women, whether they're in a a C-suite position or on the board, uh, metrically, demonstrably do better in the marketplace. 
So I think that's also true with the funds. They're very hardworking. They're very focused. They're very, um, it, it's not that men can't be those things, but the women are, you know, have had to fight harder. So they're willing to fight for the companies that they invest in. And, um, and I, it, it, it's, it's a different atmosphere. It's, it's more collective. Um, it, it, it feels very supportive. It's not that male-led companies can't be that way, but I can say emphatically that the, the female-focused companies are that way. So Aisha, that being said, Aisha, have a have a question for you. Aisha Tigali, again, is the co-founder of FFI. So what about Amp Global made FFI decide to invest in, in what they're doing? So one of the main reasons was actually Lucia herself. Um, we had met um, Lucia um, in Mauritius, um, some of the angels, and we really liked her as a person as a, and as a businesswoman. And we also really, really loved the business. We loved that it was disruptive. We loved that it was talking to um, the younger generation, the generation of customers influencers, culture create culture creators. And it's just it's something that's not been done before. It's something that's really it's new, it's exciting. And it and to me it's it's the like the real definition of innovation. You know, entertainment has always been an industry that has um, made money. It's been a really lucrative industry. We all need entertainment. And we've seen the evolution of um, of entertainment from, you know, puppet shows and musicians back back in the day before there was even TVs and electricity, um, right up to now where we're living in this really mobile internet, everything's in your hand generation. And I think everything about AMP speaks to the next generation and and as I said, innovation. Um, but I also wanted to flip that back to Lucia to ask her why she um, thinks she's been so successful or AMP has been so successful in attracting investment. And in, particularly, in particular, um, your comment about how you were raising capital for four years. And then when you moved to Africa and you had the African focus, it became, you know, you, you raised more in six months than you did in four years. Why do you think that was? And, um, and what advice would you give to others? That's a mm. wonderful question, Aisha. Lucia. That is a wonderful question, Aisha. See, this is why FFI is the bomb. But anyway, <laughs> you know, the, the thing for us, you know, real talk. Okay, I'm, I'm American, um, you know, I'm, I'm Italian, Mexican and Irish, but you know, the Irish people have been there since a long time, <laughs> okay? And um, the Italians and Mexicans, not so long, but a, a couple generations, okay? So I'm American through and through and I, I fought hard to get Obama elected twice. Um, I, I love my country, but I think it's no, surprise to anybody if I say it is a country built on a white supremacist patriarchal system. I don't think that is the big spoiler. So it is still hard. It is still hard, even in so-called progressive bastions like the Bay Area, about 
0.4% of all funding goes to black founders. 0.4, that's 99.6% is not going to black funders. Imagine, and black people are 13 or 15% of the population. And women fare overall, fare and mostly white, fare a little better, but not that much better. You know, maybe they get 2% of the funding. So it, it starts to feel extremely discouraging when you're like, we're getting an Emmy nod, <laughs> we're getting another Emmy nod. We're, you know, <laughs> we're working with Sony and SeaWorld and Pepsi and, you know, um, all these big companies. And we're, we're clearly making moves. Our, our team is a proven track record. If you look at their, their education and the places they've worked before and what they've accomplished, you could put them up with anybody. And yet somehow there's something wrong with us. Somehow it's, it's our fault that we're not getting the funding we need just to, um, just to hit our benchmarks and do what we need to do. Not even, you know, not get a fancy office or pay high salaries, just to do what we need to do to, to um, succeed. And, um, and that got old. I mean, that got really old. And there was a point where my husband was invited to an event in Silicon Valley and he was an invited to an event in Mauritius called the India Africa Entrepreneurship Summit by an amazing man named Baljinder Sharma, who is now one of our um, lead investors and um, incredibly supportive advisor. And I and my husband said, what should I do? And I said, you should go to Mauritius. Go do the speech. It was a keynote speech in Mauritius next to ministers from India and the minister of finance of Mauritius. I said, you need to go speak at that. I said, because you have to go where the love is. You could do somersaults and backbends in Silicon Valley. And no matter what you do, there'll always be another hoop. And you're, and, and it's there, it'll, you, there's no amount of perfect you can be to get them to take you with the seriousness that your visionary, brilliant, charismatic, accomplished mind deserves. You've worked with Oprah, you've worked with Spielberg, you have three Emmy nods, you went to Harvard, you get, went back for your PhD, you, you've consulted for Nokia and Visa and Interscope, you've spoken on issues of tech and society at UK Parliament and the UN, London School of Economics, MIT, Stanford, Harvard. But somehow, they're just not, you know, they, they'll just, you know, do all the diligence and put you through all the paces. And then at the end of the day, for just some reason, they can't put their finger on, you know, they're just not going to pull the trigger to invest in you. So and, Lucia, with yeah. that type of pedigree that you just described, one would yeah. think that if you've done all these things and on paper, you look close to perfect in terms of what investors might be looking for, you've got the necessary grounded experience being in, in arts and music and all of that. You've got the educational piece and all of that that doesn't come together in a perfect storm of saying, okay, this is somebody that we can bet on. Well, you've got a great idea. So. <laughs> I mean, it, what, and what a loss for them, right? What a loss. How much money is Silicon Valley leaving on the table? That's what I want to know because it came out. It just came out in an article a few months ago. Hollywood was leaving $10 billion per annum on the table by not funding black uh, 
projects. Just black. Don't even add in, you know, Asian, South Asian, Latino, you know, forget it. Just black. That's $10 billion right there alone. Now add in all those other groups. Now take that and multiply it by the world. Multiply it by the billions of people. How much money is, are, is the entertainment industry leaving on the table? Now ask yourself, if companies like Facebook and Amazon and Twitter and, and Google are trillionaires, how many trillionaires are, are not making money for VCs right now because the VCs only invested in their bros? That's a great question. And I think there is a very high opportunity cost to the way that investment is currently being done. And so when you got to Africa, what was different? The, the color stopped being an issue. It's that simple. The color stopped being an issue. But once he went to the India Africa Entrepreneurship Summit, where those were the people, they were looking for investment in Africa and Asia. Those were the projects and, and uh, you know, those were the companies they were looking for. So that it just ceased to be a barrier that he was African. Everybody was African, <laughs> you know? I liked it when you said, go where the love is. I really like that part. Yeah. I like that. But Aisha, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to add to that, that um, I think we're seeing a real increase in women investors as well. And I just want to see more women um, come, come to the table as capital allocators because still less than 10% of, of women have seats at the table at these big VC firms or private equity firms. So we really, really need to see more women taking the reins and allocating capital as well. Because investment in female founded company difficulties. Um, yes. Yeah, so what I was saying is, yeah, we, we need more women. We need more women allocating capital so that more women can be recipients of capital so that we can share the love. And women can go where the love is, you know, and it's just a place where women can also feel safe to pitch their ideas, to pitch their businesses. So, Lucia, I'll pitch back to you. What is the type of support that FFI is providing to AMP Global right now as investors? Well, I would say, obviously, they've allocated capital to us, which we appreciate enormously. But for, for with us, our, our cap table is full of amazing human beings. We, we love our investors. They are awesome. When I talk to them on the phone, it feels like family reunion. And everybody is a leader in their own field. Um, so we, from FFI, we get expertise, moral support, um, relationships, uh, insights, a network, but also capital, obviously. And so tell me, um, while I should get in our internet together, mm-hmm. how many people are currently using AMP Global and what's next? So we got 700 million media impressions worldwide for at largely thanks to Desiree Peterkin Bell, um, as well as obviously the project itself. But um, we got that for the Mike Africa. We got users in 128 countries. We got two billboards in Times Square. 
um, we got two Telly Awards, one gold and silver. And we got a wonderful group of beta users on the continent and abroad that now in season two, we're leveraging our new social features, viral features. Um, uh, there's a chat feature in the, in the app now where you can watch and chat asynchronously. Soon we'll have watch parties where you can um, watch and chat in real time. Um, so we're, we're, we're engineering, in addition to, you know, obviously our PR and content marketing strategies, we're engineering into the app features that help us uh, grow exponentially. Aisha, now that you're back, I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish that thought that you were expressing. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Was I talking about women as capital allocators and Correct. why it's important? Yes. Yes, yeah, so Liz Chair, you said go where the love is and we really need to create more love um, as women and women need to start um, or learning how to start learning how to invest and what they can invest in. And we need to be seeing more women with seats at the table um, at VC firms, PE firms, places where capital is allocated. As we get ready to close out this conversation, what are some thoughts that you would like to leave the listener with about your funding journey, about the app, what you're doing, how you're game changing, anything that you would want them to really know about your journey along with your husband as an entrepreneur and doing this work? Well, ultimately, we're, our, our vision is to build the Disney of the Global South. We have a festival coming up called um, Take Back the Mic Interactive, TBTM Interactive Festival. Uh, Deepak Chopra is taking part in it as well as other amazing thought leaders across the world, across um, tech, music, film and television, activism, uh, fa fashion, you know? Um, and we want to really create not just our app, but, but a studio, a Disney-like studio of the global South that attracts the greatest creators from around the world to make truly representative content that reflects the world as it really is and celebrates the world as it really is so that audiences around the world can feel as beautiful and powerful as they truly are and see that reflected on screens of all sizes. And then on top of that, actually be rewarded for um, making that content pop. And I want to see that reward be starting with Africa, lighting up with the internet, lighting up with representative content, lighting up with opportunity. And then that, just like we, the whole world got its culture from Africa in the first place. Now imagine a renaissance where all of that abundance is starting again from Africa and spreading around the world so that we all feel connected by content that truly represents us, empowers us, rewards us, gives us the tools we need to work together as a planet 
to solve our collective problems and stop seeing ourselves in silos, but seeing ourselves as truly connected across cultures and continents. Well, I feel amped by your energy <laughs> and what you are doing. And so tell the listeners, where can they learn more about AMP? Where do they download the app? Where do they go for more information to connect with what you're doing? So you can download the Take Back the Mic app on the Google or iOS store. If you have uh, iPhone, go to iOS. If you have Android, go to Google. You can also find us on takebackthemic.com, takebackthemic.com. And we also have a mobile optimized web platform you can find at tbtm.io. Aisha, now that you're back, we're closing out. Any final words from you before we close out this conversation? Did you get my last comment though? No, we did not because you, we lost your connection. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so <laughs> I'm going to have to do a lot of editing on this episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> FFI plus WTF. Um, no, what I was saying is Lucia's comment about um, go where the love is. So it's time for women um, as, a, as a collective to create that love, right? To create that love for other women um, by empowering and supporting others, by literally putting, putting our money where our mouths is and investing in other women and female-founded businesses. We need to see more women who are allocating capital that have seats at the table, um, who, are, who um, are actually writing the checks and signing the checks. And I think it's a we've got a really great opportunity now to really disrupt this, to disrupt the system. So if, if we're not given a table, if we're not given a seat at the table, we need to make our own table. And um, organizations like FFI who are investing in fantastic businesses like AMP and others, um, we wanna to continue to do so and encourage more women to, to do that as well. well. And we're super excited to be working with AMP as well. Well, thank you, Aisha, for um, what you're doing with FFI to amplify founders like Lucia and what they're doing with AMP Global and others. And I'm looking forward for us having additional conversations with some of the amazing women that FFI is supporting and looking forward to the next episodes for that. So make sure as listeners, you stay tuned. This is the first episode in a series with FFI talking to amazing women founders who are doing amazing things. So make sure that you continue to listen in. Make sure that you subscribe to the Where's the Funding podcast available on all major podcast streaming platforms. Make sure that you download, rate, review, do all that good stuff so that we can amplify or listener base and get in the ears of more people to hear these amazing conversations that are happening over here on this platform. So thank you very much and join us for the next episode. Thank you, thank Michelle. You so awesome. Thank you so much.